I could have everybody find your way back to your seat, please, I would appreciate it. Thank you. I'm gonna tweak that mic a little bit, Steve, so it's pointing at my mouth instead of my nose. Good morning, welcome. I know at least uh, Shauna and I were very happy to wake up <laughs> and see a very beautiful, lightly falling snow. Like the Grinch, it makes my heart grow a few sizes larger. So um, let's pray and we'll go ahead and get started. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, would you meet us here this morning? Father God, we, um, we want your presence. We want to know you. We want to experience you, God. Lord, we want you for you to be real to us. So would you meet us this morning, God? Lord, would you show us your ways? And how your ways are higher than our ways, and your ways are better than our ways, God. So meet us this morning, Jesus. Lord, we, uh, we give this time to you. Amen. Welcome. Um, we're going to be starting our series. It's actually, um, it was basically just kind of an outline that was developed um, by Vineyard USA, so our national organization. Um, and they kind of just gave like a kind of a, a really kind of a basic outline or guide um, for a series called The Humble King. Um, they even wrote a song that kind of goes along with it, and it's just this, it's kind of this whole thing. And so um, I'm kind of, we're kind of loosely following that. Um, there's, they didn't put a whole lot in it. It was just kind of more of a, here's a suggested, you know, like Advent series. Um, and then they kind of left it up to the individual churches to kind of develop that. And so we're going to be going through the series all the way through up until New Year's. Um, it starts off in Philippians. So Philippians 2, 1 through 11, we read these powerful words. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. This is Paul writing this. Make my joy compete, complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Doesn't sound very much like our world, does it? Doesn't sound very much like the world around us. Having the same love, being like-minded, being of one spirit and of one mind. Sometimes even in church, those of us who have been like hanging out together for a long time, those kind of things don't happen. Yet it's Paul's encouragement to the Philippians and God's encouragement to us that we would be unified that we would have the same love, that being the love of Jesus, the love that Jesus shows all, that we would share that, that none of us would do anything out of selfish ambition or our own conceit. That can be really hard, right? It's really hard to not think of yourself 
right? It's really difficult to like not go through the prism or the metric of how does this affect me? What does this mean for me and my family? What does this mean to me and my community? What does this mean to me and my church? Like not using that as our guide. It's really tough. It's tough to remove yourself from the equation, isn't it? At least I know it is for me. Let's continue on. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Excuse me. My son's got this horrible cough, and I'm feeling it, like, come on me, so I'm rebuking it. <laughs> Get all charismatic here. <laughs> In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant by being made in human likeness. I think about Jesus when the devil was tempting him in the wilderness when I read this verse. The enemy was saying, I will give you all the cities of the world. You're hungry, let me give you some food. You, you know, he had all these wants, he had all these needs, right? We know Jesus was fully human. And so he had all of the same needs that we have. He had all of the same desires that we had. He had all of the wants and the temptations that we have. And yet he was equal with God. And he, if anybody like could have lorded his power and his authority over others, it would have been Jesus, right? Because like he had the right to. He was literally there when the dust was formed and the breath was breathed into us to create life. He's really the only one, us parents might say it, but he's really the only one who can say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it, right? I mean, Jesus could like literally like, you know what, I think, I think I'll just stop holding your molecules together. Literally going back to dust, right? I mean, Jesus could have done all those things. As he was there on the cross, do you think he was tempted to do that? I do. I think that temptation was there. Do you think as he was walking by carrying his cross, and they were saying, hey, Peter, isn't that that guy you hang out with? And, and Peter said, no. Don't you think Jesus was maybe just a little bit tempted? Tempted. He didn't go through with it. But tempted to like say, you know what, Peter? Guess what? Your mama never had you. I mean, he had the very nature of God and yet didn't consider equality with God to be something to be used for his own advantage. Having all of that power and all of that authority and not leveraging it for himself is to me one of the most admirable, remarkable things about the character of Jesus. Because we all know power corrupts, right? And absolute power Corrupts absolutely, unless you're Jesus. Unless you're Jesus. 
Let's continue on. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and under the earth. And every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. In his humility, he was exalted due to the fact that he didn't take up that authority for his own advantage. God lifted him up. The first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? Jesus knew that principle. Jesus understood that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. It's not about your power. It's not about your authority. It's not about what you can get get over others. It's not about it being all about you. Am I willing to lay down my life for others? Hope has arrived. Not in a politician, some human system, or even a nation. No, hope humbly entered the world in the person of a helpless baby who would become the greatest agent of change our universe has ever seen. Let us never lose sight that our true hope lies only in Jesus. I can think of few things more vulnerable, more helpless than a baby. And that's how Jesus chose to come into this earth. He could have walked down from the heavens, right? With a legion of angels behind him, astride a a horse with a sword in his hand and flames coming out of his mouth like it talks about in Revelations, right? He could have done that when he first came. And all of the nations of the world would have bowed before him. They would have given themselves over to him. If you saw this, this giant being coming from the heavens in authority and in power. And Jesus Christ shunned all of that to come as a helpless baby. I debated telling the story, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, I talked a little bit in my home group about it this last week. I have a certain amount of understanding of what it's like to be helpless and to feel yourself helpless. Um, some 18 years ago, I had a back surgery where they replaced part of my back, and I couldn't move, and I couldn't get up for multiple days. There was just there was nothing I could do but lay there, and try to like recover from this thing. They, they um, opened up my stomach and moved all my organs aside so that they could um, approach the surgery from the front so they wouldn't cut up my back muscle. So that way my back muscle would be intact and I would hopefully heal better. Um, what that did though was by when you, your, your internal organs don't like to be messed with. Don't know if you knew this, I found out. Your internal organs don't like to be messed with. And so my system kind of shut down. And so nothing was moving for a couple days. Um, And then when stuff did finally start moving, I didn't know when or how it was going to happen. And um, so, you know, I'm I'm six foot two at that time, you know, a 320 pound guy. Um, You know, I've always been fairly strong. 
um, I've always been able to do whatever it is I wanted to do. And I was laying helpless in a bed for five days. Um, and I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom. And so I would just have to go to the bathroom in the bed, laying there, um, and wait for somebody to eventually come and clean me up. And so usually it'd be some young nurse, or maybe male or female, I don't know. You just never, it was whoever was on duty that day. And here, here's me, this big, you know, looking, fairly healthy looking guy, laying there covered in his own poo, and some little person having to come, like, clean me up and change my sheets and wipe me off because I couldn't do any of that stuff until it happened the next time. And I did that for a couple days um, until I could finally start moving again to where I could, like, actually get myself to a bathroom. Um, and it was arguably one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. Um, in retrospect, in a good way, something, something broke in me in a good way. There was a certain amount of pride and a certain amount of confidence in my own physicality and my own abilities that got broken in me through that process. Um, where I, I know what it was to be weak. And I knew what it was to be unable to take care of myself. And I, I found out what it was like to have to rely on other people and not just be able to rely on myself. Because I was always, and my lovely sister can vouch for this, have always been super independent. And I've always been like, no, I'll just, I'll do what I'm going to do. I just, I'm, I've always been super independent and just not really needing anybody for anything growing up. Um, and that experience humbled me. And that experience broke me in a, in a good way. Um, there's the scripture that talks about either you fall on the rock and be broken or the rock will fall on you and crush you utterly. I had a rock falling on me, crushing me utterly experience <laughs> where I, I was shattered, I was broken. Um, and it took me a long time to kind of get my sense of self back after that process. It was mostly internally. Um, physically, I bounced back pretty quickly, but mentally, it, um, it affected me for a while. And Jesus came like that. He came like a baby who could do nothing for himself. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't change himself. He couldn't keep himself safe. He couldn't do any of those things. He had to rely on other people for that. He was God and chose to make himself vulnerable. And eventually vulnerable to the point where he was sacrificed on a cross. Can you imagine the level of humility that would take? That's it's incredible to me to even conceptualize being the creator of the universe and allowing yourself to be killed by your own creation. I don't know. It's something I've really just been wrestling with as I've been going through this series. But let's continue on. No man or woman is God's gift to earth. I know some of you, maybe, you know, I'm God's gift to whatever. Only Jesus was, and he was humble. 
God could have led, right? Like the types of leaders who really get ahead on social media, online, business platforms. You think like a Jeff Bezos. Like, you know what? I got more money than I know what to do with. I think I'll go to space. Because <laughs> I can. Which I kind of get because I'm a nerd and I love science. And I'm like, I I'd like to be able to just like have enough money to say, hey, let's go to space. Um, you know, kind of cool. Um, you know, business platforms. But like, you know, they, they come ahead with power, with largeness of presence, right? And it's, it's not one side or the other. It's not, you know, Trump or Obama or whatever. I mean, like they, they all do the same thing, right? It's all like, listen, church, I am the only one who can fix this, right? They all, they all like feed us that. Like both sides are always like, I'm the only one who can fix this, right? No matter which side of the political system you're on, they all have to work to convince you that they're the only ones who can take care of the problem. There's a scripture where King David says, some trust in chariots, and some trust in horses, but as for me and my house, I will trust in the Lord. That's where I land on the political spectrum. <laughs> I'm like, the only one who can really fix our world is Jesus. That's, that's it. <laughs> Jesus, though, instead of coming in like a wrecking ball, to quote a young lady, nature's... USA sweetheart. Um, but instead, he led with humility, a baby, rather than an angry mob, is the beginning of his revolution. A hard-working carpenter, rather than an upper-class CEO, is the founder of a dynasty of love. In fact, today, if there's any elevation of the character trait of humility in public leadership, a trait which transforms the celebrated leadership virtues of courage, wisdom, truthfulness. The ideal comes to us from a man who chose the most powerful leadership stance of all. He washed his disciples' feet. Jesus had all authority in heaven and in earth. All authority in heaven and in earth. And he washed the feet of the people who constantly walked around with him and misunderstood him. And half the time, I'm not even sure if they were listening because he like, had to tell the same thing over and over. Right? Like the type was like, Lord, what do you mean when? He's like, do you not remember <laughs> when I said to you? <laughs> Jesus is like, I told you this was going to happen like two months ago. Weren't you listening? John, you were like, your head was right here when I said this and you still didn't hear me? <laughs> you know, I mean, he humbled himself and washed their feet. <laughs> it's a pretty incredible act. Role models are kind of hard to come by. It's funny, I was, as I was thinking about this, um, there's a couple different like, songs from like 1980s Christian music, Steve Taylor in particular, um, where he talks about having these role models and then the role model like, runs off with the secretary. Or, you know, you have this role model. Anytime you put your faith in a man or a woman, anytime you put your faith in a person and that person is your role model, 
you will be let down. People will fail you. No matter how good their intentions are, no matter where they're coming from, no matter how good maybe even their heart is, we all, have, we all sin. It says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And so if you're putting your faith in a person, that person will fail you. So if you're going to have a role model, choose Jesus because he won't. Right? So it's safe. Jesus is safe for us. Jesus won't fail us. Jesus says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Like ever. So my, my trust can be in him. If I'm trusting, you know, Russell Wilson on the first yard line and we're about to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he doesn't hand it to Marshawn Lynch, who's right there. Few of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, he failed me, Russell Wilson. You failed me. Thankfully, he's not my role model. Jesus is. <laughs> he's just one of my favorite quarterbacks. But, you know, he failed me. Choose a politician. They'll fail you. Especially if you, like, dig any sort of deep beneath the surface. So sports people, politicians, business people will fail me. I'm a big fan of Bill Gates. He's my favorite nerd. Like, because he's a philanthropic nerd, right? But, but even there, he does some stuff that, like, like he started, like, messing with some, some, like, really, like, some systems and, like... I don't, I'm not going to go too far into the, down the rabbit hole of what some of the things Bill Gates has done. But he's, he's screwed up a few times, more than a few times, and failed me. Jesus has never failed me, not once ever. So I can put my trust in him. One of the character traits that most often strikes us about that person, a good role model, is usually that they approach what we perceive to be their greatness with some astounding level of humility. And by humility, we mean, like, that they seem to be keenly aware that, you know, truly great people, they didn't get there by themselves. I was talking about Russell Wilson earlier. He, as a sports person, he's one of my favorite sports people. Because he's not super arrogant. He's not, it's all about me. Like, if it was the rest of the team wasn't here, we would still win. He's never had that attitude. And it's one of the things that I respect about him. And, and I know what he does for the community and, like, you know, that he gives back. And it's, it's just something that I appreciate about him. But he's just not super arrogant. He's confident, but not arrogant. There's a humility to him that I appreciate. They have this, the people who are this way, have this awareness that they weren't the only ones responsible for their success. Sometimes they'll even understate their own talents to make us more aware of ours. Have you ever noticed like truly great people lift others up? They don't push them down to get higher. Truly great people lift others up. They raise others up. They encourage others to be their best selves. They try to make everyone around them better. Our heroes are often humble. It seems like God wanted to communicate something here. 
about the type of role model he intended for the human race to find. And for those who make Jesus their role model, humility is a prerequisite to greatness. However humility comes to us, it seems to like change the way we see the world, right? Arrogance, it, it gives way to this humble confidence. And pride gives way to a, a quiet trust in, in grace. And rather than relying on our own abilities and talents to carry us forward, through our transforming lessons, somehow we learn to elevate others above ourselves and to serve others with our gifts. One of the reasons I was telling you the story about how broken I was when I had that surgery was because I had to learn that my own abilities and talents are never enough. I need God. I need Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit guiding me and speaking to me and directing me if I'm ever going to accomplish anything for God. Really, if I'm not listening to the Lord, if I'm not listening to Jesus' guidance, if I'm not... If I think I can just do everything on my own, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. C.S. Lewis once said this. He's, and I, you guys know that I love C.S. Lewis, but one of the things that I love about him is how he kind of does these twists on words. So he says this. He says, it's not that we should think less of ourselves, but rather it's that we should think of ourselves less. I'm going to say that again. It's not that we should think less of ourselves, but rather it's that we should think of ourselves less. See, God wants us to own our skills and our abilities and use them to glorify God. God wants us, you know, Richard's a beautiful guitar player, and he uses that to advance God's kingdom. He serves us on Sunday mornings, and everyone else who does worship serves us on Sunday mornings, using their gift or their ability. Kat's great with kids. She's good with youth. Like, I've seen her, she's good with them. Like, they, they like her. They don't always like everybody. I can tell you this, like, for a fact. I know this. They don't always like everybody. She uses that gift, that ability, to help kids know Jesus better. I could continue on, just picking people out of the room. But you kind of get the idea. Own your gifts. Own your abilities. I'm not saying don't do that. Just when you're, when you're using them, don't use it like it was talking about how Jesus didn't for your own benefit. Don't use it to leverage your personal status. Don't use those gifts and abilities just to make your life easier. Rather, use them to advance the kingdom of God. Use them to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a part to play in that. In God's kingdom, humility paves the way to real lasting hope. Weakness leads to strength. When we can recognize that we don't have it all, can't do it all, 
can't fix everything. We learn to rely on God for our strength. We can have hope in something real. Jesus. I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer by nature. If you're telling me about a problem, I'm going to try to figure out a way to fix it. Even if I, like, have no expertise in the field, I'll just point you to somebody who does. Like, I have to fix it somehow. Like, I have to do something. I can't just let a problem sit. I, it just, it makes, I don't know, it's like, it's like a tick under my skin letting something, like, not trying to fix something. But I've had to learn I can't fix everything. There is some stuff that is broken way beyond my capability to do anything about. And if I can't recognize that and bring it to Jesus, it's going to make me crazy. And sometimes I forget that, and so it makes me crazy. And I feel crazy. Like there, you, know, it doesn't, you don't have to look around very far to find things that are broken, right? I could do it in this room. And I don't just mean you all. Or me. Like, there's lots of stuff that is broken. And I, I don't know how to fix it all. But Jesus does. But God does. And I can pray. And I can give it to him. And I can say, Lord, would you, would you in your grace, Jesus, would, would you in your mercy intervene? God, would you meet us? And would you change us? Would, would you... Lord, please make us better. Heal us, change us, make us new. God, do something with us. Do something with our systems. Do something with our world. It's broken and we need you. Jesus is the only answer. So we have to rely on hope. We have to have hope, right? Because if you don't have hope... What happens? I can speak for me. When I don't have hope, I have apathy. When I have hope, don't have hope, I give up. When I don't have hope, I don't care. I just don't care. And I, I have a singular gift for putting things in boxes. I am really, actually, I'm, I've probably carefully crafted this gift since I was a young man of being able to just put something in a box and put it away and I just choose not to think about it and completely ignore it until one day Pandora comes along and pops it open and then all chaos comes flying loose right but I'm really good at putting things in a box and just not thinking about it and just forgetting about it which fixes nothing by the way and eventually will pop up I'm going to tell another short story on myself. When Christy and I were fairly newly married, Cormac was still really little. Um, her family was going to take us on this trip. And we were going to go overseas. And um, uh, Christy wanted to um, leave, leave Cormac with my, with my family so they would be sa- he would be safe. But wanted to leave Cormac with my family while we went on this trip. And so 
sorry, I'm still a little bit emotional. <laughs> it makes me emotional. I don't know why. It just does. Um, but the thought of leaving him away, like him being away from us at like, I think he was like 16 months old or something like that. Is that right? About 16 months? 18 months. I was close. Um, the thought of leaving him home and going overseas um, utterly destroyed me. There's maybe been two times in my life that I ugly cried, you know, where there's snot and like, you know, I have a beard so it all like kind of coagulates here and just catches. Um, and like tears and like, like it was uncontrollable racking sobs thinking about leaving him. And I was like, where the heck, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? And, you know, as I, like, started to explore it, um, uh, you know, growing up, and this is nothing, please don't hear me saying anything bad about my mom and dad because they're beautiful people who I love. But, um, you know, they both worked. And so they would drop us with different people a lot. Yeah, Kimmy's nodding. Uh, by the way, this is my sister, for anybody who doesn't know. So, like, sometimes I'm like, is my memory right? Okay, my memory's right. Uh, but, like, I, I had abandonment issues that I had no clue I had. Like, I didn't know about them until we talked about leaving Cormac home. And then I stupid, ugly cried. Like, I cried, like... I am somebody who I'm usually, I'm very in control of myself and my emotions and my feelings. I have a lot of self-discipline. I just do. It was like when I decided to lose weight, I just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to lose weight, and I did. I'm that kind of person. I could not stop crying for the life of me. Like, it, like, I mean, it's like I said, it's maybe happened twice in my life, but it was so, it was so significant. I mean, it was such a big deal. And the reason I tell you that story is I had a complete lack of hope in that moment that, this, that he would be okay. There was nothing in me that said he would be okay. Because I was so broken. My identity was so connected to this abandonment, this feeling isolated and left behind and alone. I was so connected to that that I had no hope he would be okay. And so I could not functionally leave him behind. Even if it would have been better for him, I couldn't do it. It was too hard for me. It was super personal. He would have been fine with my mom and dad and you know my sister and like, he would have been fine. But something in me had no hope that he would be okay. And if you don't have hope, you don't make rational decisions. If you don't have hope, you don't, you don't make right, the right choices. Because you're making your choices out of pain. You're making your choices out of hurt. You're making your choices out of brokenness. And one of the cures for those things is hope and humility. Like, if I had been more humble, I could have maybe felt like, you know what, they'll take care of him fine. They'll do the same job I will do. You know, they raised me. I survived, you know. <laughs> like, like they, you know, but I, I was the only one who could fix it, which is why I was so broken thinking about not. 
And so that humility and that hope, these things are connected, they go together. The scriptures seem to communicate that Jesus' hopeful vision of who he was and who you and I are and who the people around him were, it wasn't a view about himself, but rather always, always Jesus was looking to the Father, right? Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own. I simply do that which the Father directs me to do. And so my encouragement to all of you is to do the same. When you're trying to make a decision, when you're trying to figure out what to do, when it feels like everything is hopeless, look to the Father. Stop. Pray. Listen to God. What's he saying to you? He talks about in Scripture that if we ask, will he not answer? He says he'll respond to us. We just have to learn to listen. Talking about Jesus, if anyone could have been impressed with their own Christmas business card, it would have been Jesus. Right? Hey, Jesus, mighty God, Prince of Peace were on his resume, right? The New Testament provided titles like, I'm King of Kings. I'm Lord of Lords. Have you seen my business card? You know, like, Jesus would have a really impressive resume. He would have a really impressive business card. Was there at the creation of the universe. Alpha, Omega, right? Omniscient, omnipotent, hire me, right? <laughs> like, I could do all things. If you were looking to hire somebody, wouldn't you choose the guy who says he can do all things? That's who I would hire. And yet, and yet, Jesus never felt the need to tell others how amazing he was. He never felt that need. Now, he would answer if people asked, who do you say I am? Or who do you say you are? I am. Right? He answered, I am. He was asked the question. But he didn't go around with a band proclaiming himself. When he rode into the city, what did he ride on? A donkey. Right? Not a big white stallion. Jesus never felt the need to tell others how amazing he was. I think if you're somebody who you're constantly having to explain yourself and you're constantly having to tell others how great you are, it's because you feel like you're missing something. It's like, I'm not really that confident in, in who I am, so I need to convince you that I'm good at this. Or I need to convince you that I'm okay. Or I need to convince you that I'm amazing because I'm not really quite sure of it myself. And so maybe if I can convince you that I am, you'll tell me that I am, and then I'll feel better. Right? Jesus never felt the need to do that. He knew who he was. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He didn't have any need to prove himself. He knew who he was. If we could know who we are in Christ Jesus, we wouldn't feel that need either. We could be humble because we know who we are in God. We see Jesus in humility being humble as he taught and demonstrated the kingdom of God. 
And all along the way, he gave glory to the Father above himself. And this seemed to enable Jesus to not only see God's future hope held in trust by his loving Father, but this humble love that Jesus had seemed to then empower him to have hope for every single other person that ever crossed his path. If you think about all the people Jesus interacted with, the woman caught in adultery, he had hope for her. He had hope for her. The Samaritan woman at the well, he had hope for her. Zacchaeus, short little dude, had to climb a tree. He had hope for him. When Pharisees would meet with him, he would tell them about the kingdom of God because he had hope for them that they could bust out of their religious, closed religious system and know who Jesus was and have a personal relationship. Jesus operated in hope all the time. I don't think he would have gone to the cross if he hadn't had hope that it would mean something. If he thought it would all come to nothing, I don't think he would have done it. I don't see Jesus as somebody who like wasted his time. He used every minute that he had here on the earth. He had hope for each person who crossed his path. Humility is the only soil in which the graces root. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. In Scripture, what was the first recorded sin? Anybody know? Abe. What was before that? <laughs> so, the devil's sin was pride, right? It's the first sin that we hear about in the chronology of the scriptures. Is the devil was cast down from heaven due to pride. Lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. I want to try a spiritual practice with you guys here this morning. I want each person here, just go ahead and close your eyes for the moment. Listen to my voice, but close your eyes. I want you to think about every single way you have depended only on yourself lately. On your own decision-making abilities, on your own feelings, on your own ability to reason, on your own impulses, on your own desires, your own experience, practice, or skill set that you have. I want you to think of all the ways you've depended only on yourself. Just you. And I want you to offer as a sacrifice to God on his altar each of those self-dependencies. Think about rooting out your pride in your own abilities. Think about what God has done and is doing in your life right now in this moment. We sang that song this morning talking about how God, you've been faithful through all my life. He's been faithful to you all your life. I want you to let this awareness of God's activity 
in your heart, in your mind, in your character. Holy Spirit, come. Would you move on us? Come, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you meet us here this morning, God? Lord, would you root out pride? Would you break? Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I break the spirit of pride over our body, over us individually, Lord God. Lord, would you break the spirit of pride in the name of Jesus? Lord, would you give us your heart, God? Your heart of hope? Your heart of humility? God, would you move us? Would you change us? Would you, would you Lord, truly make us a new creation in you? Move, God. In this sacred space, in this sacred moment, would you meet us, Jesus? Would you impart to us your character? And Lord, specifically your character of humility and hope, would you impart that to us this morning, God? Amen. Um, so not on purpose, I recently went and did a thing, went and got this on my arm. It wasn't because I was teaching this. It just happened to, I don't know, God worked it out. I, uh, I did a wedding for a guy and his, and his fiance who, he's a tattoo artist by trade. And so we just did a trade. I did his wedding and he gave me free ink. It's a good trade. Um, well, not free, because I did my thing, he did his thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I, Dusty, me, I have to remain anchored in hope. I am, I am prone to giving up in apathy. Of just saying, well, it'll never get better. It'll never get better, so I'm just going to give up. I'm going to quit trying. When I don't have hope, when I don't have hope as my anchor, when I don't have hope in Jesus, when I don't have hope that the Holy Spirit can change things, I give up. I quit. I quit trying. I quit caring. And that's bad for me. That's bad for God's kingdom. And it's bad for everybody around me. It's just there's no good in that. And so I have to, have to remain anchored in hope that God can change things that Jesus can redeem me and the rest of this broken world. I have to remain anchored in hope that God is Lord and that he is king and that he says he will redeem all things and so he's going to do it. If he said it, I believe it. I have to remain anchored in that. I have to. Not optional for me to do otherwise. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God can give us hope as a gift. 
God can implant hope in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you feel hopeless, if you struggle with being hopeless, if you struggle with that there's just no way out, things can never get better, there's never going to be a change, things will always remain ugly and broken, begin to pray. Ask God for hope. Ask God for hope. And quit thinking you can fix everything because you can't. And neither can I. Neither of us can fix everything. So let that go. It's a, it comes out of pride. That thought that we can fix everything ourselves, it just comes out of pride. And there's no place for pride in someone who follows Jesus. There's just not. So let it go. In the immortal words of one Elsa. Just let it go. I'm going to pray to close. Um, and I just, there's just something I've, I felt like I was supposed to pray over you this morning. I was asking God how to kind of end this morning. And I felt like I was supposed to just ask God to impart something to each and every one of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Lord Jesus, for each person in this room today, would you impart your spirit in their hearts? Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you impart hope and humility into this community, God? Lord, would you impart to us a sense that we have to rely on you? that we cannot do anything in our own power, that real change for our world, the healing of our world relies on Jesus Christ, that our world will not be healed until it recognizes that Jesus is Lord. So Lord, would you show each and every one in here, Lord God, what their part to play in that is. I was going to continue praying, but I had, the Holy Spirit stopped me. Um, there, there's someone or maybe more than one, a couple people in here who you feel like, you feel like God wants no part of you. And that's a lie. It's not true. It is not true that God wants no part of you. Jesus says in the scripture, God says in the scripture that he would none, that none should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. God's desire is for each and every one of us to be with him and to know him and to know his love. And so if you have something in you telling you that God wants no part of you, I want to tell you right now, this morning, God stopped me in the middle of praying to tell you that's a lie. And don't own it. Do not own that. God loves you. He cares for you to the point where he died for you, each and every one of you. And God wants you as part of his kingdom. He wants you as one of his kids. He loves you. He cares for you. So don't own that lie.
Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, I ask that you would heal us. Lord, would you heal our brokenness? Would you reach into those places where we have no hope, where our pride gets in the way? Lord God, would you disassemble that? Would you break down those walls? Would you break down those barriers that we have that keep you out, God? And Lord, would you let the light of your spirit shine in? Thank you, Lord. Um, I had uh, a picture, um, but it's, I know that it's the lyrics to a song. I think it's by Leonard Cohen. Um, but it goes something to the effect of where there's cracks in the wall, that's where the light shines in. can't remember the, the exact lyric or the song, but like as I was praying, I had that picture that God was, was cracking some of you guys where you have walls and barriers against him. He was making cracks in that so that his light could shine in and begin to shine in. And if you'll allow that process to happen, he'll continue to break those walls down until you're just filled with light. Because when there's no wall, there's no barrier to the light shining on you. Um, so uh, just know that, that God is working in you um, and that it's a process. So um, if you're willing to let it happen, he'll continue to, to do that. Um, and so, Lord, we just bless that. God, I just bless that in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you continue to shine your light, God? Would you continue to um, widen those cracks and those walls that we have against you or, or that are holding you out from really changing us, God? Uh, would you continue to, to crack our shell, Jesus, um, so that your light could come in? Uh, Lord, we just, we just thank you for today. Um, Lord, I, I thank you for meeting us here this morning, God. Um, Lord, I pray as we go out through this week that we would carry your humility and your hope in our hearts um, to advance your kingdom, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray a blessing, Lord God. I ask your blessing in the name of Jesus over each person here today. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'm sorry I went a little bit long. Um, I got to preaching. <laughs> so, uh, like, this topic ended up being something that I am kind of passionate about. So, anyway, bless you guys. Thank you. Uh, we'll...